Today is Thursday, March 1st, 2018. And this week we are joined by John Bailey, co-creator of the new Bible listening app, Dwell. This week's episode is sponsored by Visual Media Church. Visual Media Church is one of the fastest growing church media companies creating worship backgrounds, social media posts, stock video, stock photography, and templates for all your media needs. Go to visualmediachurch.com to sign up today, and when you do, use promo code CREATIVECHURCH to get 20% off all their memberships. That's CRTV Church for 20% off. Go and sign up today. You're listening to the Creative Church Podcast, where each week we talk about the latest in Christian creative culture and explore the lives of prominent creatives. My name is Nick Gunner, and joining me today is the man himself, Roscoe Montgomery. Present. Present. <laughs> uh, and to his digital left, my right, Emily Cummins. Also present. And Ross always takes the cool one-liners first. <laughs> I'm just saying. Maybe you got to give Emily some like first up so she can be like right on the top of the wit. Yes. Some heads, some heads, or just the first up. I yeah. called dibs on that. Oh, called sure. dibs. See, there Next we go. Time. Oh, okay. For those that missed last week's show, first off, shame on you. Mm. However, Emily is the latest addition to the Grifters Podcast crew. Emily, we're so glad you're here. Welcome back. Thank you. It's so good to be back with you guys, and I'm just excited to be on this podcast journey with you, learning from all of your wisdom. <laughs> all of our, all of our wisdom. Exactly. After 15 it's, called, episodes. it's called learn how not to make a podcast. <laughs> um, <no. laughs> it's podcasting for dummies. Hit record and just talk on the mic. Um, hey, you guys do it really good, so I'm excited to be a part. Well, thank you. Um, now, Emily, I saw this week you were you were doing some coaching, and you had like Stephen Brewster, which is a a previous podcast guest, yep. and then uh, and then um, your friend, uh, w- w- what's her name? Jenny Catron. Yep. Uh, a future podcast guest. Um, but uh, what, what were you guys doing over there? What so were you doing in Ocala? Basically, for 48 hours, the Foresight Group with Jenny is the uh, founder, the leader of Foresight, and we gathered bringing creative leaders from around the country and Canada. Cannot leave Canada oh. out. Congratulations. Um, I know. And we basically poured into this group of leaders, equipping them to lead not only themselves at their very best, but then also their teams. Because uh, the last time I checked, I don't know about both of you, but leadership is not the easiest thing on the planet. And you're when you're the wrong books, what? <laughs> okay. Seriously. From my understanding, leadership is the easiest thing. On the <laughs> I thought I thought it was working that was hard. Are well, you sure? <laughs> mm, I think you guys need to check your definitions, maybe. Or you could come to the next coaching group and learn a thing or two. It's good. Is that an invite? Yeah. Did we just get invited? That's definitely an official invitation for sure. But, I mean, balancing, as we talk about on this show and everything that you do at Creative Church, balancing creativity and leadership really is hard. Um, And so we just walked through what that means. And Brewster and Jenny are pros at leadership and then leading creatively. Um, so watching them pour into leaders was really cool. And then just being able to be a part of that was a lot of fun. So you guys need to check out the foresight group and join us. It'd be a great time. Cool. Perfect. Wow. Ross, what were you up to this week? I saw on Instagram that, or uh, your Instagram story that you got essentially a Amazon box punted to you. Yeah. Um, what, what, what was going on there? I, I have no idea. It, it arrived and it makes me think of the Ace Ventura line of, I'm sure it was lovely when he's like <laughs> kicking it down the hallway. That's exactly how I pictured them delivering this box. Um, yeah, no, just 
caved in on one side. Thankfully, it was like bubble envelopes for for my wife. She's doing some things, so oh. um, yeah, it was nothing destructive. But I'm like, come on, guys! Like, how hard is it to keep a rectangular box in the same shape that it arrives to you in? So, and if know. you go watch Ross's Instagram story, which you which you can't now, <laughs> just, but just, just one, yeah, it's expired. <laughs> but uh, um, if you go see it, like it, literally, his this box is like punted in. Oh no! I, I seriously collapsed. think someone either kicked it or like I don't know, dropped it on no. a pointed it like something. A truck but ran it over. That's awful. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. Awesome. Not the worst box I've received though. <laughs> I get, I can say that. What was the worst box you've received? Um, you gotta tell us. Um, <clears throat> I worked at a uh, Christian bookstore back in the day and in the shipping receiving um, kind of back room, and uh, I can't remember what was in the box, but I remember we got a box and literally product was falling out of it along with the packing peanuts no. um yeah and it was like totally destroyed like i had to fill out a claim and all oh of this goodness. stuff and i'm just like Ooh, like yeah that was a little awkward so you, you um, can't remember what was in the box at all no i i want to say i mean i can't even remember i just remember when i picked it up like and i turned kind of turned it around like the side was just like shredded and all the stuff was falling out and i'm like it was like smaller stuff but a a lot of it so it's a bigger box so i don't know but then i ended up working at a ups store a few years from then and actually learned how to pack a box properly so oh there you go i didn't didn't know any of that i didn't know that either learning some things that's pretty cool so you do have high standards for box wrapping preparing and shipping because you know what it's like i yeah i try to i tried to uh, give people the best box packing experience they could get at the UPS store in Allen, Texas that I worked at. <laughs> <laughs> well, as for me, I, I got new glasses this weekend. And so right now you guys are like really zoomed in um, because it's been a couple years since I went back and got a new prescription. And so now I can just see everything. It's a supervision uh, mm. thing going on. Um, I'm looking at your little pictures on the Google Doc and it's literally <laughs> like you guys are life size. Oh mm. my goodness. There you go. I, I'm just picturing... I'm picturing, um, oh, I can't think of his name from Office Space with the red stapler. I'm just picturing his glasses on you right now. <laughs> what? The big, thick ones? The big like, Coke bottle glasses. Yes. Yeah. No. Um, they're still they're still pretty cool. Um, oh, they stylish. Are a little bit, they are stylish, yes. But uh, <laughs> they are, uh, I, I got a little bit of, I walked into Publix last night and I got a little bit of vertigo. Um, because I could just, I felt like I could see everything and I was just kind of dizzy the entire time. What is this called? Focus. <laughs> what is, why can I see all the way across the store? Um, but yeah, it's been a while since I've had new glasses. And so I'm, I'm really, really struggling to read all the stuff today. Mm. So if I mess up, everyone knows why. Oh, there you go. Fun fact. If you ever get LASIK and you're getting a driver's license, uh, you can say no when they ask you if you wear corrective lenses. Interesting. Really? Yeah, because I, I lost also lost my wallet this last week, so that was fun. Oh. So I had to get my new driver's <laughs> license this morning. So they oh. were like, "Do you wear contacts or glasses?" I was like, "Absolutely not," because I had laser <laughs> shot in my eyes. Oh, you have laser eyes now? I have laser eyes? No, the lasers were shot into my eyes, not out of my eyes. Oh, okay. a common misconception. I'm glad you cleared that up for yeah. us. I I cool. feel like you know if I didn't, 
there might be some things I would be responsible for after that. Uh, Nick, when do we get to see your new glasses? I just want to see them now. <laughs> uh, well, if you've headshot, seen my old glasses, he, he, they literally look exactly the same. I was going to say, uh, he just scheduled some new headshots. He's ready yeah, to go. I, uh, Perfect. <laughs> every time I get new glasses, I'm, I'm I'm right back into the photo booth. I am there to get my new headshots because I feel like people the Disney know. photo booth? Obviously. The, yeah, a yes. Disney photo booth that I'm in. That's where Perfect. I get all my headshots taken. Uh, there's always a Goofy or a Mickey Mouse in the background. It's really cool, actually. Um <laughs> Uh, anyway, we got a great show planned for everyone today. Coming up later, we are joined by John Bailey. He is the co-creator of a new way to experience the Bible with an app called Dwell. But up next is Trending. Each week, we gather one article from last week's headlines that's important to us and that we feel is impacting culture, church, or creators, and we discuss it. Ross, what do you got for us this week? Well, have either of you ever felt like creativity and productivity um, would compete for your time and attention and kind of just butt heads together? Oh, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I always have kind of had this contention with them and felt like it was hard to really make them coexist. Um, But I recently came across an article on Fast Company, and it was just as quick, five great ideas for creating some rhythms in your work life that can really help you achieve both creativity and productivity. Because, you know, I used to live by the mantra of the messy desk shows how creative I really am. But now I'm like, oh, man, I need to clean some junk up. But um, some of the points, the ones that kind of really stood out to me, um, one is induce a state of Uh, psychological distance. And that's exactly as it sounds. It's taking time to get away from a project that you've been zoned in on because I can get in the zone on a different project, whether it's video or I'm doing research for something and I kind of get this tunnel vision. Um, And one great quote they had on this point in their article was, our minds are more likely to think creatively about things we aren't experiencing right here, right now without stress. And I think that was important because a lot of times there can be some stress stressors at work and you feel like, oh, I got this next project coming up. And so you're actually thinking ahead while you're working on a current problem. So, you know, that can all be something that adds to to getting tunnel vision. But I thought that was a really great point was to take some time away, you know, take a break, take a walk, go to a coffee shop or something um, and, and just take that break to get away from whatever you're working on, regardless if you're, you know, whether it's a problem or just a project you're trying to find a fresh take on. Um, another one was save high priority tasks for flow hours, um, by consistently trying to work against your natural clock and rhythm, you can, um, get consistently less done. And if you can find your ideal flow, you can set reminders and that kind of thing to either take breaks or block out your time saying, I need to do these things that require a little more brain power, you know, at the top of the day, or maybe I'm more effective in the afternoon and do that kind of thing. And then, Another one, place creativity-boosting constraints on yourself. Um, I I think a lot of us in the creative world kind of understand this, uh, especially as you're kind of working your way up. But researchers have found um, that people who have experienced having fewer resources tend to show more creativity in problem-solving and think more expansively because when a resource is abundant, there's less incentive to use things in innovative ways. So really trying to challenge yourself and, and Maybe, you know, just say I can only 
you know, use this many resources or I only have this available to me. How do I do that? So there's a couple more points and, and there's, you know, the entire article will be on our podcast episode page, but I don't know what you guys think about about all that. I definitely agree with taking time away from the project you've been zoning in on. So last week at the coaching group, we actually did this. Uh, we were in the middle of sessions and that just lag started to settle in and everybody was getting sleepy and you just weren't honing in on the content anymore. So we got up and we went for a walk outside and it was great. And everybody came back in ready to go again. So I I mean, I 100% agree. It works. I'm, I'm interested to know number two on, on, on the list that you gave us, Ross, um, save high priority tasks for flow hours. I'd be interested to know what are you guys' flow hours and how have you, how have you arrived at the idea that these are the hours that I work best in? That's a hard question. <laughs> don't everyone answer at once. <laughs> I don't know that I have specific set flow hours every day. Sometimes it can come in different waves for me. Um, mm, okay. But I, I feel like either early in the morning um, or late at night when I've gotten just tasks done and then I have that space to just flow into the flow hours. I don't know. It's It's been a little different based on project for me, which probably doesn't help you at all. Hey, yeah. it, it doesn't, but uh, <laughs> it kind of does at the same time. What about you, Ross? What, well, what I've never thinking? read the book, but one thing that stuck with me is, and I've always heard is eating the frog first. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, yep. just kind of taking care of the one that's going to be most time consuming or that you have to think about the most up front. Um, and so beginning of the day is kind of like, I, I like kind of stacking it that way of get everything done at the top. And then I have time to really kind of either hone in on that if I do a few other things and then circle back around, or it leaves me time maybe for a little more me time of resourcing and diving into something else that, that you know, I, okay, I got this done. I feel productive. That's off my to-do list. Um, and now I can kind of work on something else that, that'll help me maybe be productive in the future or just kind of idea gather, you know, whatever, whatever else is kind of like not a priority, but that I can kind of slip into place there. So I, I've kind of found that getting stuff done at the top is, is better for me. And that's not to say I don't get distracted, but <laughs> I got to keep myself from that. So I think for me, my, my flow hours, they kind of operate a little bit like Emily's, they kind of fluctuate depending on the day in the project. But I've always found that I work best between like 1 a.m. and about 10 a.m. <laughs> so like that's wow. whenever I work the best. Ironically, I sleep the best between 3 p.m. and 12 a.m. So no it all works out for me. Um, <laughs> no, that was a really good article, though. I enjoyed yeah. reading it. And I think it had a lot of yeah. truthful points um, just for our rhythms that are helpful. So thanks for sharing that, Ross. Yeah, yeah awesome. All right, Emily, what do you got? So as I shared with you guys last week, I partnered with Jenny and Stephen Brewster for the Foresight Group's Creative Leaders Coaching Group. And in our last session, we actually developed a personal growth plan. So the goal was for each participant to walk away from our time together with a strategic plan moving forward. And before I dive into the guts of this, like, have either of you ever made a personal growth plan? Um, not, not really a personal growth plan. I've always kind of had the little, my little goals of like, I want to read more or I want to you know, do this different or kind of those kind of things. Yeah. Lots of personal growth plan. 
So that that would be a okay. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, I've done one then. Yeah. Okay. okay. I kind of do one at the beginning of every year. Kind of yeah. re- resolution. Some call it resolution, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is literally one of my favorite things to do. And uh, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a type one. So this will not shock you at all. I'm that type A plan everything out kind of person. <laughs> um, and so I read an article on Vanderblumen's website unpacking five questions for effective self-assessment and ministry. And I thought these five questions were really helpful if you're thinking through a personal growth plan, um, whether that be at the beginning of a year, as this um, article suggests, or even month by month. I like to evaluate as we head into new months um, Mm. and just taking it a little bit more step by step rather than as big picture as the whole year. Um, So some of the questions that they unpacked were, did I hit the goals I set for myself, which is straightforward. So, I mean, what were your goals? Did you accomplish them? If you didn't, why not? And then the next thing they asked is, how did I lead my team or volunteers last year? And they had a statement in this section that really resonated with me and that I'm putting into practice with my team. It said, how you lead your team can affect their productivity and satisfaction levels, which in turn affects yours. Hmm. And that's true. I mean, how does that hit you guys? I, t- I can totally agree with the productivity and satisfaction levels. Um this past few months, we've been adding more like volunteers to the creative church inner circle. And like, it's just breathed new life into creative church really has um, where it seems like we're getting a lot more done. We're doing a lot more uh, creative ideas and things like that. And uh, I-, I didn't lead a team last year, so I really don't have anything to compare it to, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can say it's been very pivotal for what we've been doing just in the past, you know, three months here. Absolutely. I mean, it's it feeds everything that you do. So I think in terms of every success that my team member has, I mean, it's my success, too. It's our organization's yeah. success. So the more I set them up to win, like I get to win as well. Um, so I had never really thought of making goals for how I lead my team before seeing this article. And now I'm I'm breaking that apart differently um, in my world. And then the last three questions were, did I support my superior well? So mm who you report to, did you support them? And that's not a question that we often ask or evaluate ourselves on very well. Um, and the thing at the end of the day that this article was pointing out is if you believe in the mission of your organization, then you need to support whoever you report to. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, like they are moving the ball down the court and you're partnering with them to do that. So if you're not supporting them, you're not helping the mission, which is pretty powerful um, and then the last two, did I achieve a level of self-care that I was trying to reach? And if you didn't, why not? And then did I invest in making myself better in my role? Mm. So I found this article really helpful um, in assessing how I'm becoming me. And uh, you can check out the entire article on our podcast episode page. Perfect. Yeah, that's great. Becoming me. Exactly. New podcast. Ooh, I see what you did Brave there. Dun, dun, I see dun. what you did. I got it. Oh. I picked it up. Thanks, guys. It wasn't so subtle, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll go with that. Whenever she dropped becoming me. (laughs) Okay, so that's a part of my daily language anyways, but I also am so excited for the podcast. Just saying. Yes. Um, My article, I'm just going to bring something real quick today because uh, it kind of happened and I was like, oh, I got to say something about this. Um, uh, Anyone been on the new internet sensation? I have. I've, the, tr- I've tried Ross? to check it out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually heard about it from Chris Hardwick. Who's that? He is the creator of Nerdist. 
Okay. And he um, currently does an ID10T podcast and like the Talking Dead after Walking Dead. He's like does a ton of stuff. Okay. Well, um, for those that aren't aware, um, the internet welcomes a new social media platform uh, into the world. It's a newish app called uh, Vero, and uh, it's it's adding thousands of users today, which uh, just essentially means that the app is just currently crashed. Um, <laughs> it is very, very slow. Um, now, we're recording this on Monday, uh, so uh, by Thursday, hopefully they get those kinks worked out where people can actually experiment with it. Yeah. Um, but it's currently being touted as the Instagram killer. Um, Vero uh, has stripped away all the ads and the algorithms and the added features that allow you to share links. Uh, and they've added features like uh, sharing links, location, music, books, and uh, TV interest. They've really made it easier for you to share stuff and uh, that you love and connect over shared interests. 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 <laughs> <laughs> There's at least, you know, five I just I, I add on. There was, the there was 18 S's in that interest. Yeah. Yes. Um, but Vero actually, it dates back three years, uh, but it's recently picked up a lot of momentum today uh, as major influencers have flocked to the platform uh, because they've offered their first um, million users free service oh, for wow. life. Wow. Um, so that kind of might shock you there for a second. Wait a second. A social media platform that's pay for play? Yep. That's what uh, Vero's business model is doing. Uh, their idea is that they can get users to pay them to, can, to build the social media platform and that uh, they won't have to do it through other means like advertisers. So according to Vero's manifesto, they've said, uh, unlike most of our competitors, Vero's business model isn't based on serving advertisements. As a subscription-based service, our users are our customers, not the product we sell to our advertisers. Our subscription model will allow us to keep Vero advertising free and focus solely on delivering the best social experience instead of trying to find new ways to monetize our users' behavior and tricking them back into the app with notifications. I, I, to me, that's interesting. No advertisers on a platform. I got I to gotta pay for it. All that, that's really, really interesting. Uh, so like I said, we're recording this on Monday. It's significantly slower right now than Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. But from what I've, what I've been able to see last night, it was a little bit faster when I was looking at it. Um, I'm really enjoying the interface. Ross, you're on, you're on Vero. What do, what do you think of the interface so far? Um, it's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, oh, good, it really good. is. Um, no, it, it's really neat kind of the different things you see going on within the app of how they, they – uh, present everything um i think there's a little bit of a learning curve with kind of the audiences and how you're connecting with people um and so that's that's a little different but uh yeah i'm interested to see how it kind of maybe gets more robust obviously um as we've seen with facebook and instagram kind of the the first versions aren't going to be what you get used to using so it'll be interesting to see kind of what they add what they take away um I'm always I'm always curious when stuff like Vero comes out and they talk about the subscription thing and just any subscription service. I'm like, I think everybody's gonna get like subscription subscription fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. I'm like, just give me a flat price. Like I got in on one password when it was you just pay for the app, and then they limited me a ton. And I'm like, what happened? And I saw their pricing model change to a subscription. I'm like, so they cut back some of my things, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, no, I don't want a subscription service. Just give me a flat price for some things. Like, I don't know. So it'll be interesting. Like, you know, I, I would be much more inclined to buy like a a social media app for like 20 bucks once, mm -hmm. maybe yes. 25, 
than I would for a subscription. Yeah, and totally. And maybe a know. yearly of like fifteen, maybe. Um, just to kind of, so they can do the just updates. make it a dollar a month, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's I just feel, and, and that's how I feel about streaming services. It's eventually going to round back around to like cable, where it's like oh, you sure. you you pay this one package and you yeah. get these streaming services mm-hmm. in it. And I'm like, there's so many subscriptions to it's, keep track of. <laughs> I agree, especially like it's right ridiculous. now because I'm watching six different seasons of everything. <laughs> yeah, yes. I got a Netflix. Hulu and uh-huh. a YouTube live subscription right now. Oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the YouTube live subscription was just kind of for fun. Like, I just wanted to see what it was all about. Um, Is it pretty good? It's okay. I have real TV. Um, real TV. I have cable. So uh, <laughs> so I don't really need the YouTube traditional live. Traditional TV. Yeah, traditional <laughs> TV. I got real TV. Um, traditional TV. Uh, so I don't really need the live. But it um, it's it's okay. It's okay. But I do agree. It needs to just kind of all loop into one package so I can buy all my subscriptions at once. Or just all a cart, man. Just give yeah. me, give me, yeah, I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see because I'm like, I don't think, I mean, everybody's going to have a subscription and everybody's just going to be inundated by these monthly right. things. And it's just like, oh, come on. Just give me one price. I don't, especially apps. I'm like, what was it? Dark Sky is a weather app I love. But they recently went to to a um, it was like five bucks for the app, and now they recently went to a two ninety nine a month oh, thing, wow. and I'm just like, guys, <laughs> you're killing me. I'd pay ten bucks for the app to have it, and once, but oh wow, yeah, it's yeah. So it's interesting to see. It. It's exhausting to me, and, and that's and truly that's a deal breaker for me. I'm like, nope, sorry, I'm not going to pay monthly for yeah. this app. Nope. I just done. think that we should work on making advertisements more beautiful and making that interface look better. Like we do with Creative Church. We made the interface look better for our advertisers. And that could be the simplifier for everything. And so you're not having to charge users 10, 15 bucks a month. Because it is. Yeah. It's getting exhausting. Yeah, it is to me anyway. So I, I don't see it getting better anytime soon uh, unless some some uh, models change. So we'll Now, see. Um, as for pay-for-play, what are your thoughts on that, guys? Um, do you think it's going to work? Do you think people are willing to get rid of ads and algorithms so much that they're willing to pay for their social media intake? I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and what that price point is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? I mean, let's say it's a $15, $10 month subscription. What about you both? Do you think you're going to pay for it? No. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Not personally. I wouldn't see, I wouldn't see any benefit of that. My, I guess my, my, my thought on that would be, I would see more businesses wanting to pay for that um, than users. So uh, that could just mean you have a site that's completely overran with just uh, mm. influencers or promoters always trying to push product that they're willing to pay for uh, social media that doesn't have any other ads or any algorithms that might prevent their stuff from being seen. So yeah. that's one of my, my big thoughts thinking about yeah. it. Like, oh, well, the brands are going to take over in a matter of, you know, months after this thing starts becoming paid. Um, so real quick, I'm going to go around, around the digital table here. Uh, who thinks it's going to become big and actually beat Facebook, Instagram, or Sorry, rest in peace, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I still like Twitter. I'm you still just like saying. Twitter. Oh, I you do. still like Okay, good. That's one of you. That's one of you. <laughs> I know. There, there's one of us out there. Still. There's still one of us out there. <laughs> Emily, do you think it's going to become big? Oh, man. I This is so hard because I want to always fan the flame of new ideas, but I just don't know. Um, what you said earlier about, or I think Ross had said, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, they all start one way and then they morph into something else. Um, and so I think that there are some good ideas, but I'm not certain that it's going to last. Um, 
So that that would be my first stab at it. But so we'll we'll you're, see. You're putting it on the chopping block. You're saying this isn't gonna. This isn't I mean, gonna I haven't fully bought into it yet. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to sign up now because right now, if you I sign know. up, you don't have to pay for life. So, yeah. Um, Ross, what do you think? Um, man, I think it could become big. Um, yeah, I think the biggest hurdle they're gonna have is that pay for play. Um, mm-hmm. you know, because I I can totally see maybe them getting some money from different brands being featured or being first in the search results as you're sharing, you know, the different um, movies, TVs, interests, locations, music, books, like all that stuff. I can see how that could be interesting to advertisers and brands um, and not necessarily that they're having ads pop up. But when you're searching for something or when you're looking for something, um, they come up in the search results. I, I can see that happening. I think it's going to shift a lot and I think it's going to be a lot of time for it to get some momentum um, to be a, a major contender. So, and I'm basing that solely on if it fizzles out in a week or if it truly does get that momentum, it's just going to take a while. Okay. And then I'm, I'm going to go ahead and guess that um, for me, I kind of, I kind of like not having to charge users anything. Um, that's kind of the model that we use here at creative church. You know, all of our sponsors take care of, um, all the all the financials for everything, so we don't have to charge any of the users anything. Um, but at the same time, not having to see ads and advertisement, if the price point is at like a dollar, two dollars, maybe even five dollars, I think that I would pay for a subscription to social media for that reason. And if there were a lot of other influencers and users on it that I knew. Um, but unless if it goes over five, I think that's whenever I go. Now nah, it's not worth it to me. Um, so. Those are my my thoughts on it. Any rebuttal? Nope. Perfect. Sounds good. Good. No one argue with me. Nobody <laughs> argue with me. Um, <laughs> well, there you have it. Uh, next up is our interview with John Bailey. This week's featured interview is with John Bailey. John Bailey is a serial entrepreneur. He's the co-founder of Dwell and the co-founder of Lightstock. His latest venture, Dwell, is scripture listening reimagined. Dwell allows users to listen to the Bible in a podcast format that is designed to cultivate a habit of listening to scripture every day. John lives in Dallas, Texas with his wife, Corey, son, Gray, and daughters, Abigail, and Liv. Here is part of our conversation with John Bailey. doesn't sound like an easy process to take on it's uh it's it's been intense and, and not only are you creating this app but uh, we're recording the bible um four times which is pretty <laughs> yeah. intense <laughs> yeah re- reading it once through alone is is you know an undertaking but recording it four times man yeah um so let's go back to basics give me a little background on yourself and how you came uh about the why on, on why you wanted to create the Dwell app. So I have an identical twin. Uh, my brother Josh and I are both co-founders of Dwell, uh, but this is actually the third business that we've co-founded together. And so we grew up as pastor's kids in the North Dallas area. And um, our first company was a company called gracewaymedia.com that did a lot of uh, graphic design and presentations for churches and ministries. And so my brother and I always had this kind of... Uh, kind of desire to um, 
kind of create stuff for the church. And we kind of married it, I think, with this kind of entrepreneurial inch itch that we've always had. Our dad started a church right out of our house um, when we were in third grade. And so we kind of watched that whole process unfold from uh, our house to a shopping center building all the way out to like a, a big building on the highway. And so I think somewhere down, down deep inside that made an impression on us that, you know, maybe we could build something one day. And so for the most part, we've just, we've just been building companies and um, Graceway was the first company that we built. Um, and then um, the company that we're running now, um, uh, we sold Graceway about six years ago now in 2012. And then we uh, launched a company called lightstock.com. And that company basically is a stock photography company um, that allows you to download faith-focused photography, footage, and vector files. Um, we, just, we just noticed when we were at our previous business that uh, Christian photography was super cheesy. And, uh, and it, just, <laughs> it, it, was just, it was almost embarrassing to look at. So we thought, you know, if we ever get a chance to sell Graceway, we'd love to try to kind of help correct that. Uh, we, sh- we figured we should have some really great photography that kind of uh, matches our experience of our faith and uh, it should look good. It shouldn't look um, cheesy. And so we set out to do that and um, took us about a year to create the product and uh, launch the site. But now, you know, it's going well. It's been up and running for over five years and, you know, thousands of users and thousands of uh, photographers that contribute to it every every month. And so it's been really great. Um it's been really great, and um, it, it's 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 been doing um, so well that it's allowed Josh and I to kind of um, let some of our, our team members kind of run with that for a little bit, and it's allowed us to really focus on Dwell, which uh, is a company that's really more near and dear to our hearts. Okay, uh, um, and so it, it's it's kind of fun. We just we're it feels like a dream getting to do this uh, every day, but just the idea of reimagining what. Um, scripture listening would look like, um, on an app and, um, helping people to cultivate this habit of listening to the most important book in history, um, just seemed to us like a really amazing challenge, a fun challenge and something that, um, to us, we talk about it sometimes as saying this, we feel like this idea should already exist. We feel like there should already be a great option for us to listen to the scripture. And, um, as we surveyed the app space, we just couldn't really find it. And so we yeah. thought, why not, why not tackle this? Um, why not give this a shot? This would be, this would be a really, uh, a great thing for folks. Was, was there a moment that just kind of hit you and Josh in, in the face and said, oh man, this is something that we would desire and see others. Or was it just kind of this gradual, you just kind of had that inkling, uh, in the back of your head that that would be a great way to approach the, the Bible. Yeah, you know, I think for Josh and I, um, we we kind of had the idea for Dwell years and years ago, um, but the timing wasn't right because the project is so big. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we needed to kind of start with our second company, kind of dip our toe a little bit in the water, although Lightstock seemed to be a pretty big project at the time. But um, this seemed a little too uh, distant, a little too far out, but we always had the idea of there needs to be a great app for listening to scripture. Uh, it wasn't really out there. Um, and so we kind of joke sometimes we're kind of making this for ourselves. <laughs> we, yeah. we really just, we really long for that experience, uh, to be able to listen to the scripture in a really beautiful and a really simple way. Um, 
And so we're excited just to be able to create it just so we can take, take part of it. But I know that we've struck a chord with folks out there uh, that are also kind of wanting a similar experience. So it's been great to see, uh, see that come together. How did you guys even start approaching that whole idea? Like you said, four different readings of the Bible, like what voices were you going to choose? Um, you know, how do you know when you get the right take on a certain section of scripture? Like, how do you handle all of that? I think for, for Josh and I, we're, we've always been big listeners. So we've, we listen to audiobooks all the time, um, just growing up. And even now we we're always listening to an audiobook in the car, or we might be listening to podcasts or, um, or music, but we always thought to ourselves, it would be great if we had an option that could compete with an audiobook that could compete with a podcast. And I think people would, would enjoy listening to the Bible if they had, if the experience was right. And so, um, for us, it, it comes down to designing an experience that really is uh, beautiful and thoughtful and simple. Um, and so if, if we can put those three things together, then we can, we can probably compete for people um, that are wanting to listen to something in their commute, for example, or they're wanting to listen to something while they exercise. We kind of have these pockets in our day um, where we're, we're kind of wanting to listen to something. Um, and so if we can get the experience right, then we can, I think we could fill, fill those pockets with scripture. And I, that, that's pretty exciting. Um, so, you know, when we started out, we, we knew voices would be crucial um, mm-hmm. just in all of our experience of listening. Yeah. Sometimes you can have an incredible book and you can have a voice that narrates it that's just awful and it just ruins the content. <laughs> it's yeah. weird. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of weird, but the voice makes such a huge difference. And so really for Josh and I, we sat down and thought, well, if we're going to do this, we need to have multiple voices. We need to have people that uh, can engage with a different voice. Um, maybe it's a different dialect, a different uh, gender, but we need a way for people to engage with different voices. And not only like just finding another person that you might enjoy listening to, but being able to go back and forth we found that being able to kind of have a variety of voices on the platform has been very popular. People, just in some of our um, testing, people love to hear multiple voices um, reading scriptures. So it, it, I guess it doesn't get as stale um, as yeah. quickly, and it, it, it creates a pretty cool experience. So we did, we did over 150 auditions here oh, in wow. the Dallas area. And to be honest, it was like, for, for a little while, it was like we were on an episode of American Idol. I mean, people were coming in. <laughs> Which one we of you ch- was Simon? <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have been a little bit more like Simon, but, we, you know, we were trying to just kind of keep it together and hold it together. But um, it, was, it, was, it was quite an experience. But we found four voices out of that, 150 out of four, that mm. were really unique. And, you know, we weren't looking for a big, booming radio voice. Uh, we weren't looking for narrators of books. Yeah. That's, that's not what we wanted for the Bible. We don't think that's the right fit. Um, we were looking for people that loved the Bible as much as we did. That somehow when they read it, that bled through in their voice. And it's hard to say what that is and start hard to talk about that. But I think when you listen to our recordings um, of our voices, you kind of pick up on that. You get a sense that here's a person that... Um, cares about the Bible probably as much as I do. And um, they read it with feeling. They don't act it out. That's for sure. We're not looking yeah. for a dramatization, but we're looking for people to read it with emotion and feeling. Um, um, and, and, and so I think that's important. Um, and so the voices are really the number one experience 
Um, we also have music that's going to be uh, underneath the app. Um, and so we, we decided to go after a, a Christian composer named Chad Lawson, who is just a tremendous artist. Um, and he, he writes music in such a beautiful way. Um, and his music doesn't really get in the way. Um, a lot of times he'll say, like, if, if you start to recognize the music, I haven't done my job right. Um, mm. And so he wants the music to serve the scripture. Uh, and so we have this beautiful composed music, whether it's um, whether it's just a solo piano, whether it's cello. Uh, we even have acoustic guitar that's very simple. Um, and then we have some great ambient music as well that's um, really interesting. But all of this music is being uh, composed exclusively for listening so that it doesn't uh, get in the way of the scripture, but it supports it. It, it um, undergirds it. And, and of course, if you don't like the music, you can always just mute it and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that's awesome. And another thing that I, I noticed about the voices on your website was, you know, you can set one as your default or you can kind of swap them on the fly. I, th I think that's really interesting to kind of see as you're reading scripture to hear, you know, almost kind of you, you have some diverse uh, voices to yeah. kind of hear their almost interpretation of how they read the scripture, which yeah. kind of brings a whole nuanced feeling to how it's being read, which, which, you know, if you go on the website, you can obviously preview those voices. Um, and it was, I just thought that was super interesting. So, yeah, you know, and, and it just makes a big difference in it. Um, and, and our long-term plan is to add more voices as well. Actually, we're in a conversation right now about adding a fifth voice. Um, so voices are something that we'll continue to add to dwell because we feel like it's, it's that important. So yeah, definitely um, a scalable part of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then I also noticed that you have uh, different reading plans and, and things like that. Are, are you guys curating those on your own? Or are you collaborating with people on that? In the beginning, what we're going to do is we're going to create our own plans. But we think that there probably is going to be some great ways to partner with folks like Uversion, maybe potentially, to um, take some of their reading plans and maybe translate those into listening plans. Oh, um, I think Almost like be, po like a podcast cue list or like a podcast yeah. playlist. Yeah, something like that. So we think there's we think there's a lot of opportunity to um, to partner with folks and kind of cross promote and, and do some stuff like that. Um, Are you going to add elements like devotional questions and prayers and thoughts within all of that? You know, right now we're focused on just the the Bible. Okay. Um, and but we have a larger vision to expand beyond the Bible. But I think what we'd like to do is to create um, a really kind of premier uh, listening experience just for Scripture. Okay. And then as we feel like we kind of nail that down, then we kind of expand beyond. Um, and in the first place, we'd probably look to do that expansion is with uh, the great spiritual classics of the Christian faith. Um, books like uh, The Imitation of Christ, um, The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Mm. Uh, Augustine's uh, Confessions, um, and, and even more of these great books. They're such wonderful books. Um, uh, sometimes they can feel a little inaccessible, um, and they can be hard to read. But one thing Josh and I have noticed is when you, they're actually pretty readable, um, but it's actually, they make for pretty good listening. And so we could also do things like help people kind of, what are the key ideas in this book? Um, that, oh, yeah. could be, that could be like a playlist. Or, hey, listen to The Imitation of Christ in 30 days. Um, or pull out like major themes within The Imitation of Christ or, or powerful excerpts. 
So there's a way that we can we can do the same thing that we're doing with the Bible, where we're kind of breaking it down and we're curating it for you. We can do that with these other great books uh, of our Christian story. So now that you are kind of towards the end, there's a finish line coming. It's everything is getting buttoned up. Um, what are some of the 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 great accomplishments that that you feel like you've made with this app? And then maybe what are some of the hurdles that you unexpectedly had to overcome along the way? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, when you think about it, the Bible is, it's over 800,000 words. Um, well, I'm sure you know the exact word <laughs> count. Yeah. <laughs> and so it requires thousands of man hours just to record it. Um, and, and, and that includes the editing process, which is huge as well. So we're doing that four times. So finding a way to, um, and building a schedule to, to kind of make that operation happen has probably been the biggest challenge for us. Um, so right now, I think that we're hitting our stride. Um, we have, we're launching um, with the New Testament, the Psalms, the Proverbs. And because we hit our first stretch goal in our Kickstarter campaign in January, we're also going to be launching with five books of the Old Testament. And so that's going to mm-hmm. be Genesis, Exodus, First and Second Samuel and Ecclesiastes, and so that's what we'll be that's what we'll be launching with. But um, up to this point, right now, we have ninety percent of the New Testament, the Psalms and the Proverbs, recorded in four unique voices, um, and so we feel pretty proud of that. We feel like we've kind of cut our teeth. We've learned the process. We started recording with the voices um, uh, in January of two thousand seventeen, and yeah. so. We've been doing this for a while. Uh, we've been really trying to figure the process out before we got into the Kickstarter phase. Um, but 20% of the app uh, is built, and it's uh, kind of in a very, very pre-beta phase right now. But um, uh, a lot of things are happening on that as well. That's the that's basically our last push um, to get to June, which is our launch date. Uh, over 75% of the music has been uh, recorded and produced by Chad Lawson and um, we also have artwork. We didn't mention artwork, but oh, yeah. um, artwork, you know, there's going to be original artwork all in the app. So the app will feel more like a music app and not like a reading app. In fact, you won't really be able to read um, the text at all um, in the app. And that's that's on purpose because we really want people to have an exclusive listening experience. There's a lot of apps that you can you can um, you know, you can read the Bible on it and you can also do a little listening like there's a. There's a little feature tucked away somewhere where you can click it and then it starts playing a voice. Um, we really want to make a space and a place for um, listening. Yeah. And so, yeah, that that's kind of that's kind of an update of where we are. That's kind of the current state uh, of where we are. But it's been yeah, it's been a, it's been a big, big project, but it's been it's been really fun. What would be your elevator pitch? Um, you know, obviously the listening experience. But if but if someone says you know, man, I, you know, listened to a ton of podcasts already. I don't know if I could listen to one more thing. Like what would be your elevator pitch to someone that might be hesitant um, to, to think about an app like this? You know, I think we're, we're doing all of this work because um, we believe that we need to reclaim this lost art of scripture listening. Uh, The truth is like for the history of the church, people listened to the Bible um, more than they read it. Uh, it's it's the way people engaged with the Bible. I'm thinking about that passage um, 
in the Second Chronicles where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And the first word is hear. Hear or listen. Allow those words to enter into your soul through your ears. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, people listen to it for so long. Even before, you know, Gutenberg invented the uh, movable type, people were still listening to the Bible. And so we kind of want to reclaim that lost art of Scripture listening I think letting the words of the Bible wash over you uh, is really important, um, and I think it can actually form it can actually form people in a different way than reading can. Hmm. If if you think about it, there there are really few activities that are more, um, at least for me, maybe that are more renewing than when I'm moving through my outside world at the same time I'm nourishing my inner one. Yeah. So if you think about, it, I'm listening to Jesus speak on my commute. Or I'm praying with David while I'm cleaning, or I'm following Paul while I'm exercising. This, I think, this is what we would hope that dwell could help people do. find out more about John and to listen to the rest of our conversation with him, visit the podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. Welcome to Reply All, where each week we pose a question and give you the chance to answer online in our Creative Talks group on Facebook. Last week, we asked you what is one worship song or lyric that has really spoken to your heart. We got a ton of feedback on this one, so uh, here are a few of our favorites in no particular order or reading. As you know, we're notoriously um, bad at pronouncing people's names, and uh, for some reason, Nick keeps putting these in front of me. <laughs> so um, it's either Jeff or Jeffy Campos. Uh, says his heart is really in a place that is receiving man of the woods right now. It just <laughs> makes him want to be a mountain man. I, I feel like, you know, if he has any chest hair, it's probably growing out in a um, flannel pattern. And, oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. And man of the woods, that's Justin Timberlake's new song, right? Yes. I'm not. Okay. That's no, what I figured. I you're not going that. crazy. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. So I've got Jason Bullock, Outside Looking In by Seven. So he's a Christian rapper, but it's more geared towards the lost besides the church crowd so that the language might shock the typical churchgoer. Hmm. Yeah. So he's like saying gosh and golly. Is that, is that what's shocking <laughs> I mean, the typical churchgoer? That was my guess, um, too. Just saying. Oops. Yeah, and, he just, uh, he just old really, darn. <laughs> <laughs> he just really opied it up for everybody. <laughs> uh, Jared Dogger, uh, good friend Jared, uh, he said Hillsong Seasons. Because it's simple and powerful and a reminder that even though ministry is hard and there are some days uh, that you just want to quit, we all want to quit, there is a bridge of the uh, song that says, you're the God of seasons. I'm just in the winter. If all I know is of the harvest is that uh, it's worth my patience, then if you're not done working, God, I'm not done waiting. That is a very powerful line. Yes. I haven't actually listened to seasons, so I, I probably it's need to get on so that. It's so good. You need to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, well, I see uh, my wife, Carissa, 
Montgomery. Hey. Um, she's hey. she's been <laughs> she she uh, recorded this uh, version that one of the ladies on our church's uh, worship team does, "King of My Heart," mm. and um, we had a worship night a couple months ago, I think, and and so she has been like replaying this recording she took uh, of this rendition and and just on repeat. So. Um, yeah, that she didn't say any of that. She literally just said King of My Heart, but I know that's been <laughs> what she does. She just listens to it on repeat. But it's it's a really great song. Um, I remember discovering it a couple years ago and yeah, that's that's it, a really good. It one. has been out a couple years, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's it must be just like churches must be playing it more and more re- recently because I feel like I've heard it so often. Like I thought that it was a new song, but then then wherever you said that, I was like, No, it has been out for a couple years. That's what I thought too. And isn't one of Taylor Swift's new songs titled "King of My Heart"? Oh, I don't know. Is it? That's what I thought it was. At Are first. you a Swifty? I am, guys. I'm a Swifty. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, but so Sarah Kate has two different songs for very different reasons. So the first one, "Does Your Heart Break" by The Brilliance. Ooh, so it's a that's song. A good song. Okay, I haven't listened to it yet. You got to listen to the brilliance. The brilliance is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, she runs to this song. Um, she, she, it's a song that she runs to when something unexplainable and awful happens in the world. And being less than an hour away from Parkland, she's had it on repeat. Wow, that's a great song to go to then. Um, and number two, "Wood and Nails" by Audrey Assad and Josh Garrels. 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 I think it's Garrels. Garrels. Okay. And Josh Garrels. The work of the cross was done with nothing but wood and nails and the scar-borne hands of Christ. Incredible. Mm. Wow. I need to good. listen to that too. There's yeah. there's a lot of the songs that were on that that thread that I was like, I gotta add that to my playlist. <laughs> um also, Emily, yes, Taylor Swift, she does have a song on her album called King of My Heart. Ah. Uh not in the same vibe though. No, um, definitely not. <laughs> not. I don't think so. Yeah, not not really in the same vibe. Who'd uh, she break up with this time? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I wouldn't say it's for <laughs> churchgoers. Um, a lot of gollies and gosh darns. Uh, yes. <laughs> those are some amazing answers. Uh, go see the rest and add some to your playlist. Uh, you can do so by joining our Creative Talks group on Facebook. This week, though, we wanted to ask you, what are some of your guilty pleasures? This is a question we haven't done yet, and uh, I thought it was I thought it would be fun. Um, this can be like movies, TV shows, books, food, anything that you deem as a guilty pleasure ross emily what are your guilty pleasures okay well you've already learned i'm a swifty so we've covered the base there that's not a guilty pleasure that's just just good taste in music thank you nick i knew we were friends um okay my real guilty pleasure is oreos hands down like and i will try all kinds of oreos so the seasonal flavors what level does this go to is this fork in the cream dunking it into milk no Definitely oh, not. No. Okay. You just got to eat the Oreo. Like, now, whenever you say all the different flavors, do mm-hmm. you mean all the different flavors? Because they've gotten crazy lately. Yes, they have. And <laughs> I haven't, I don't do like the crazy, crazy stuff, but the traditional pumpkin spice uh, or. Traditional. That's only know? been out like a year. <laughs> the traditional, yeah. I think okay, I like to go back to the classic. For yeah. a girl <laughs> the who double counts- stuff um, would be a traditional one, not. Pumpkin spice. Okay. Well, for a girl who counts down the days to pumpkin spice lattes at Starbucks, it's traditional in my head. Sorry. Don't they have those all year round now, though? Do they? I think so. <gasps> you Uh-oh. just made my day. Oh, my I would goodness. go check because that there was something go. I noticed a while back. Literally, I'm so excited right now. You have no idea. Because there's no limit as to when you can access pumpkin spice. It's all year round. Like, yeah. It's, yes. just it's all spice. marketing. Wait, do there you guys go. like pumpkin spice lattes? No. I don't know. Nick, guys. I, I can't stand the taste of pumpkin 
or whatever the seasoning. Like I just like pumpkin blend. pie. That's okay. yeah. I can't even do pumpkin pie. Oh, oh well, those are the opposite bad. of my oh. guilty pleasures. Uh, <laughs> that's so sad. Those are my innocent hates. Uh, <laughs> no, Ross, what about you? What's your guilty pleasure? Um, man, I got a couple, and they're pretty. They're pretty funny. Um, I, I, you might find them funny. <laughs> One is I love YouTube dash cam videos. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh! Like the instant justice when someone does something ridiculous, and then a cop pulls out and pulls them over. Or like, just really like, what is going on in this? How do you even make a car do that? Like, oh, it's, I, yeah, that. And then um, paranormal shows. <laughs> I love the overacting and the reactions they have while they're, they're investigating. Um, yeah, it's so funny. And, and I don't know if any of you have heard of, oh gosh, which one is it? It was this guy named Zach and it was, um, it wasn't ghost hunters. It was ghost adventures. And in one of the episodes, so I, I grew up in the middle of Kansas and my grandma always collected gourds and would dry them out and then make them, um, birdhouses. And so like, I grew up around like a fence of all these gourds drying. Um, anyways. And so one of the episodes he's in this basement on this, um, plantation like historical plantation thing and you know it's in the dark and he has the night vision on and he kind of runs into these things and they're gourds but he's like what are these are these alien eggs oh my gosh what are these things and he's like freaking out over gourds and i am dying laughing but that's just one reason that i Uh, love my guilty pleasure uh i got several but i'm I'm gonna do one uh it's cnbc um, it's all those shows on there. The Prophet. Um, uh, you guys are like listening to me. Like I don't even know what that channel is. It's on real TV. Um, <laughs> on, like traditional TV. Uh, they got these. They got these things called shows, and they play, but they have commercials <laughs> in them. Kind of annoying, but you uh, can DVR them, so you can you know you can DVR them. But uh, yes. Uh, and so like you got like Shark Tank on there. Anyone familiar with Shark Tank? Oh, I love Shark Tank. Okay, so Shark Tank, the prophet is with like Marcus Lemonis. I don't I don't know how to say his last name. Oh, I've heard I've heard of it. Yeah, so those shows are my go-to guilty pleasure. If you want to join in on that conversation, you can do so by heading over to Facebook and joining Creative Talks. That's one word, CRTV Talk. On that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. There are a few great ways that you can share your appreciation for the Creative Church Podcast. First, subscribe and add us to your favorite podcatcher. We also release all of our episodes on our website at creativechurch.com. And you can review this podcast and show us some rating star love on iTunes so we can get more exposure and people can learn how to properly dunk Oreos into milk. <laughs> no. No. Just eat them. No milk required. Get them a little soggy. Come on. No. That wait, ruins wait, hold it. up. Hold up. No milk required. Exactly. This is my you guilty even, pleasure, guys. You don't even like milk with. Okay, I didn't know that. Wait a second. We got to back okay. up. Hold on, back up. <laughs> Hang on. Like we have a whole new. Not really. Oreos? No. Okay. I've never understood just like drinking milk. I don't get it. That's your innocent hate is milk. Yes. Oh, there wow. There you go. Oh, oh, I like it with cereal. That makes sense. <laughs> oh, well, of course. If you're not, well, if you were not eating cereal with milk, we would just have to uh, <laughs> politely ask you to leave. Uh, <laughs> oh man, uh, <laughs> number two with you guys, and I'm already <laughs> this is sad. Uh, lastly, consider sharing this episode on social media. Uh, you can find us by searching our handle, Creative Church. That's one word: CRTV Church. Special thanks to John for joining us today. Uh, check out all that he's doing by heading over to our podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. 
Also, thanks to Visual Media Church for sponsoring today's show. Do us a big favor and go check them out and snag that 10% discount whenever you use offer code Creative Church. That's one word, all caps, CRTV Church. In the meantime, I'm Nick Gunner. I'm Ross Montgomery. And I'm Emily Cummins. And we will see you next episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Creative Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. Also, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Creative Church.